0: hello and welcome to the rpg academy podcast i am michael and i'm here tonight with luke and we are going to be talking detention that's right we've been bad boys and girls and peoples and we uh we got to do our time in the detention hall luke welcome to the show thank you very much so for anyone out there who doesn't know you who's luke what do you do why should we check you out
1: uh hi my name is luke here i am at coltreg K O L T R E G on twitter and Currently, I'm hosting two actual play podcasts. There is RPG Pals Club, which is a D&D actual play in the Waterdeep setting. We're running Dragon Heist, except it's a lot more about opening up a dog cafe and having a Battle of the Bands. Okay. And then the bigger thing is I've been running Exod, which is a superhero actual play podcast using the old Marvel superhero system primarily. And... That is ending in November with 12 one-shot bonus episodes along with our normal weekly podcast.
0: Oh, wow. I, uh, I'm i kind of on record for anyone who has listened before. I love the old Marvel system. It, I don't think it's a good system, but I love it. It's the second RPG I ever played behind D&D. Uh, there's a lot of nostalgia for me in that game. Uh, some of the, honestly, the best times of my life where me and my, my friends playing that game. I'm also a comic book nerd, superhero nerd, anyways. So I do love that that game. I've played it fairly recently. I I have a one shot that I run at conventions called mm-hmm. uh, Some Assembly Required and uh, an Avengers knockoff. It's actually not based off of Infinity War and Endgame, but it has somewhat of a similar premise where half the Avengers have gone missing. It's not half the world, but half the Avengers have gone missing and um they are looking to fill in the ranks with some team heroes because we roll characters at the table which means they are wonky as crap oh yeah yeah uh but i love that system i have so much fun with it and we've done a couple one shots ourselves so if anyone is listening now maybe uh from your side that's never really watched our show we do have a couple audio only one shots of marvel face rip i
1: love that too i mean that was one of the first systems where it's like oh hey this is sort of everything that i want at the moment it's you can play any character, you can build them out, you can mod them easily, you don't need to worry about rules too much. There is a point where it starts to fail depending on what you're looking to get out of that, but
0: yeah, I mean it's you know you know, you know I'm not a designer. I've I've tinkered a little bit, but I'm by far a RPG designer, so for me to say it's a bad system kind of just uh me being a jerk, I guess. But I um I don't know like it does, it it does what it's supposed to do. It's pretty simple, but uh, I just think it could be more robust. It's really, again, it's really wonky where um, hours don't always make sense. They can be very unbalanced, uh, but maybe that's just the superhero genre. So, yeah, the internet is crawling. I have no idea if we're actually being seen live or not. But like I said, we're going to power through with the, um, the show anyways, and, again, we'll upload it later. Uh, mm-hmm. so you mentioned so exiled is ending after you said three years?
1: Three years of updates every week, plus we did annuals when we uh could at the end of every year, and uh just extra episodes here and there. So that's
0: in quick math, about a hundred and fifty six episodes, give or take?
1: Uh we're ending with about a hundred and seventy eight when we get to uh December. Gotcha.
0: Now, is this one continuous story or, I mean, obviously one shots are different, but is this basically a campaign or are there arcs, different characters? How does that work?
1: Uh, so it's been a primary campaign of four characters going through trying to fix universes with the classic Exiles comic premise, if you ever read that in the 90s. I don't think I have. I'm not, at least it's not coming to mind right now. So it's a bit of a quantum leap with superheroes. So uh, your team of exiles has to go to different universes and fix things that have gone wrong. And that ran for like a 100 or so issues from like the 90s to the mid 2000s. They've tried to bring it back a few times. And I, I like the premise. I love the what if questions. And so this has been expanding that but sort of set in a uh, post-Jonathan Hickman Secret Wars continuity where it's not every universe got destroyed in Secret Wars, so it's a crumbling multiverse that is struggling to get together. And like all good stories, we have a lot of character turnover, long-running arcs, and we also just go and do some weird things. We did a reality dating show arc using a different RPG system for it. Okay, Because, I mean, you've got your mojo, your uh, reality uh, TV parody type characters in there. Uh, We've done some DC crossover stuff with a Batman 66 arc. And this is the big battle against the sort of recurring enemy, which is the Britannic Empire, who is evil captains Britain, who are seeking to take over the rest of the universe. And they've got a massive death star pretty much
0: (laughs) all right very very cool so new york tater has joined us he's one of our regulars thank you sir very much for joining all right well luke thank Mm -hmm. you so very much for joining me i really appreciate it uh now we start out our show generally with what we call extracurricular and this is Mm -hmm. where we're going to talk about things we've been up to lately it can be books we've movies we've seen tv shows albums we've listened to Uh, albums are still a thing right spotify i guess Uh, But it can be anything and everything that you would like to touch on that you've been talking about recently that you'd like to share. You're my guest. Would you like to go first or would you like me to go?
1: Oh, no, I'll I'll happily go first. Thank you for the offer. Uh, So I've been recently rewatching because it's been Halloween the Scooby Doo Mystery Incorporated cartoon series from maybe five or six years back. It's one of those weird takes on Scooby Doo where it decides to turn the series into a long form mystery with like uh overarching plot lines and arcs and season one is kind of a extreme version of the scooby-doo tropes okay. uh, but they twist things up like you find out that fred has a obsession with traps but he's also unwilling to admit that he has feelings for daphne shaggy and velma try dating but it doesn't work because scooby is his best friend and so he will put the dog over her and all the while, they're trying to find what happened to the original Mystery Inc. team, which none of the adults want to admit uh, what they know. And it has an amazing cast on it. Louis Black is in it, uh, Gary Cole, a number of other people. And then season two is just like, hey, you know how you thought we were going this place? Uh, well, by the end of the show, you're going to be fighting elder gods and Nazi robots. Sounds like an
0: RPG campaign to me.
1: Yeah. But uh, I got that done last night. I had started watching it with my girlfriend. She got to a point where it's like, yeah, I'm not feeling this. But for me, it was a return to the show. And I really enjoyed a lot of it.
0: Very cool. I'm also a huge fan of Scooby-Doo. I uh, have mentioned that uh, pretty much I grew up watching Scooby-Doo. I'm I'm that age. But I run a Scooby-Doo Dread game. That's kind of like my staple that I run at just about every convention I go to. Uh, And it is uh, 20 years after the scooby gang has broken up after scooby died somewhat mysterious circumstances the gang has been brought back together to finally figure out who killed him. And it's basically scooby-doo
1: meets clue the movie and it mm. is
0: a lot of fun
1: uh so yes yeah, so that's awesome so anything else uh i mean that's been the uh biggest thing though mentioning the scooby-doo dread game there was uh in dayton ohio which is also home to the upcoming a catacomb uh Catacon, there's a uh, UDCon, which I've been to a few years, which is the University of Dayton's gaming convention that's been running for, I think, 22 years or so. And the second year that I went to it, they do a Saturday evening event. If you're going to go to UDCon and you're unfamiliar with the Saturday event, if they're so doing it, uh, you might want to skip ahead a few minutes, but they basically said, hey, you've come here before but you've never been for the Saturday night event come on it's going to be a Scooby-Doo Call of Cthulhu game and so you got so it was me I got to play Scooby-Doo which was great I I don't want to bust out my Scooby-Doo oh oh. Oh. Oh, oh no okay I guess I busted yeah, that out you have to exactly but it was set up as a situation where the Mr. Ink gets invited to a mansion. They have to figure out what's going on. And you select an item that ends up becoming the monster. Okay. Sort of, uh, Cabin of the Woods style.
0: Gotcha. Like, oh, okay. You select
1: your doom. And it was a hoot. Like, it was a great game. I was full of the right amount of role-playing game energy for Scooby-Doo. Scooby ended up being the only survivor of the group. Jumped out the window, ran away. Everybody else was murdered by, I think, a 10,000-volt ghost.
0: Yeah, that would do it.
1: And basically after everybody died, they were taken out of the room. And so I go out to the room, find out that the GM has been broadcasting the entire thing. People have put bets on who would win. And uh, yeah. People did not think that Scooby was going to make it. <laughs> the fools. Everyone knows Scooby.
0: Except in my game because he starts off dead. But that's the only reason why. Because he starts off dead. There's any choice in the matter.
1: It, yeah, it was that great experience of, oh, so you totally cabin into dust
0: <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Uh, as for me, again, and I, again, I don't want this to be a, a Catacon promo episode because one this probably won't come out live or won't come out till after a Catacon, anyways. But all I have been doing recently is a catacomb. stuff. Mm-hmm. Um other than I did run a game last night actually. I've been trying to do weekly games with the faculty slash Patreon supporters. We have a Discord that we chat with and I've been trying yeah. to run new games and new systems. Uh and last night was Fate Accelerated, which I've ran and played Fate a couple of times. Uh it was a lot of fun. It was a superhero theme, though we actually started as super villains, but we still saved the universe. Um but I don't know how representative it was of Fate fey. Uh There was very little dice rolls. There was almost no aspects, only a couple of compels. Uh, but it was still a lot of fun. So uh, I had a good time with it. And I think uh, coming up after Catacomb will probably be Cypher System. And I want to try Hex, Hollow Earth Expedition. That's been a game that's been... I, I've been circling it for years because I love that 30s pulp, you know, punching do- Nazi dinosaurs in the face. Uh, but oh yeah I've never i've I played it once on our show as a as a trial with someone else running the game, but I've never ran it myself uh but yeah, catacon is now basically a week away and it is consuming my life uh I'm excited that's the again that's why I'm, I'm gray I wasn't this gray last year at this time, but I'm getting there now
1: um, well i, I... I mean, I'm also doing a lot of a Catacomb prep. I'm going to be running two three-hour one-shots at a Catacomb, which if this is going up after the show, you've missed out on your chance. Currently, <laughs> one of them is booked up. Uh, that is the Marvel Infinity War-style uh, game that I'm running. The end game one still has three spots available. If this does get on earlier, people are somehow listening. <laughs> up on by, we'll probably have extra characters or... Uh, you know, at least a mini-seat. Because uh, right now I have 64 characters that I'm working on building so we can get the people that people want to play. Nice. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, now, are you running this in the Marvel face Rip system? Is that what you're running the game
1: in? Uh, yeah, I'm going to be running it with a Phase Rip and a slight alteration that I started doing for Exiled and the one-shots that led into that. Uh, where, I, where I'm where i essentially cribbing the 13th age background system, because one of the things that the Marvel system doesn't really do well is it's like, oh, if you want to have bonuses for martial arts or for, uh, like, here's all the people you know or, like, these are teams that you're on, it's so much data. So what I do is I have people replace it with background points so instead it's approaching it as here's three separate phases of your character's life that they can draw things on. So it's like, Oh, well, I'm Spider-Man. I was a physics student at college. So that's how I know how to get, uh, how to mix this chemical solution. Can I get a bonus? And you get a bonus equal in uh column shifts, equal to that skill value that you have.
0: That makes sense. And,
1: and Uh, last year when I ran a phaser of one shot, it was great because I went with the alternate universe idea, and so everybody had characters built out except for those backgrounds, so it was a way of quickly individualizing their characters. Very, very cool.
0: All right, so again, a catacomb, a catacomb, a catacomb. Come, have fun. And if you've already missed it, next year, look into it. All right, so we're going to do our first improv game. This is called 10 Things game it's about immediacy it's more important to come up with 10 answers quickly than it is to come up with 10 good answers so the idea is that we will prompt each other to create a list of 10 things we will then quickly as we can come up with 10 at that criteria so again luke you are my guess would you like to give a prompt first or receive a prompt first
1: i'll uh, feel free to prompt me first
0: okay now so but let me prove it as it seems to me that you're pretty adept with the comic book nerderies. Mm-hmm. so you, you know a lot of about comic books, I would assume. So you mentioned that the Exiled podcast was based on a particular storyline from X-Men Comics, correct?
1: Uh, it was a series. A series,
0: okay. So um, uh, how do I want to phrase this one? So 10 things. I want you to give me 10. Yeah, I don't I don't want to get it too complicated. Two X-Men storylines. That you might quote unquote might base your next podcast on. So, like Rude War Saga would be one, for example. And if oh. you need to jump out of X Men, that's fine. So
1: okay, so ten comic series, ten comic
0: series see. that might make a good exactly. podcast in the future. And go.
1: Okay, the Dawn of X storyline that has been going on recently, uh, Armor War, Armor Wars would be a uh, go, go back to. Oh. Uh, Already. uh, Fantastic Four gets sent back in time to Egypt, but they stay there. Three. Uh, You know, let's also raise that with Fantastic Four Go Back in Time. First, Doctor Doom story where they ended up joining pirates. Ben Grimm became Blackbeard. Four. Uh, Daredevil drops out of Long, becomes a aerobics teacher. Five. Uh, The Punisher... Decides to end his war on crime and decides to steal everybody's guns instead.
0: Six. Makes sense.
1: Uh, Drax still plays saxophone even though he's Drax.
0: Seven. Drax with a sax. I like it.
1: Uh, Kurt Wagner uh, Nightcrawler becomes the actual Pope this time. Eight. Uh, Bruce Banner gets charged with x-ray radiation so he just is a massive skeleton, but he's got flesh that nobody can see. die And, uh, Thor loses his hammer in a hardware store and, uh, he just grabs any hammer that he can get.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Those were 10 things. Excellent. Thank you for playing our reindeer games. Now, Luke, sir, you may give me 10 things that I will try very poorly to come up with 10 quickly. Up.
1: Okay. 10 things that you will probably eat at a catacomb.
0: My sadness. Uh, That's just in general. Uh, Probably the crappy sandwiches from the concession stand. Probably the crappy pretzels from the concession. Probably the crappy salads from the concession stand. Uh, Definitely will be going to the barbecue place. Don't know what it's called, but it's right around the corner. It is so good. The corn muffins are amazing uh there is uno's pizza which isn't great but i don't get it very often so i'll probably go there uh but, um, oh um uh, mcdonald's because it's close oh. closest place for breakfast there yep uh how many is that Six,
1: seven. and oh,
0: seven, better uh chinese food mm-hmm. uh because i like chinese food uh sushi and cake but that's a very special thing. You have to come to the murder mystery event and you get to find out why we eat cake. So, yeah, there we go. Ten things. Da, 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 da. Excellent. Thank you very much, sir. I appreciate your, again, playing our little ring.
1: Have you never had the chili?
0: From where? From the uh, cafe inside. Oh, the crappy chili. Mm. The de- no, I have not.
1: The chili is not bad.
0: Oh, all right. I will put that on the short list then because, um... I mean, I I think I have frustrations with the DCC. I mean, it obviously mm-hmm. it's concession stand food. It's not the greatest in the world, but I'm yeah. very frustrated with their policies, and I really wish they were more lenient to our needs. But they're not, so I kind of yeah.
1: Yeah, I snuck in Arby's last time I was tabling at Jim City Con.
0: So we we're allowed to bring in food when the concession stand is not open, but every time I bring that up, they just say, "Well, we'll just open our concession stand later." And I'm like, "No, no, no! Don't hurt! Don't go! Don't go any trouble on our account." Uh, so yeah, so we, we try to, uh, try to manage as best we can. All right. So now we're going to move on to kind of like what's, I call it the meat and potatoes of the show. It's the majority, generally speaking, of what we talk about. And mm-hmm. what we call this section is used books. The idea here is that like any good used books, there might be notes in the margin from previous owners. And if you pay attention to them, you might be able to learn something. So Luke, our guest is going to talk about a game that he has played in or ran, and the idea is, we're going to try to pull something out about it that we can use as a lessons learned, to do different, to do the same, that might help you, the listener, now or in the future, in a game. So, Luke, what campaign do we want to talk about? And were you a player? Or were you a DM? And kind of give me the overview.
1: Uh, so it was a fi- or no, it was a Pathfinder uh, back when it was so just first edition campaign that I was working on with friends. And as the like sort of setup, it was our GM had moved away because he wanted to move girlfriend got it or wife at the time got a better house and or got a better job offer they moved out to a house and so this was going to be the reuniting campaign and it was like otherwise same group just getting together online playing through roll 20 which was going to be a slight change for us but I had had experience through that through some other games and my premise for a character was it was going to be a warlock who did not want to access their powers okay uh basically they were destined to be the scion of a elder god of the ocean and they had no desire to have that happen and what ultimately ended up happening is there wasn't enough good communication between the gm and i at the beginning so the first mission was instead of treating this as something that can't actually be resolved, which was uh, which was what I was hoping to go for it for more of a hardcore role-playing game experience. It was, oh, this first mission is, we're going to a school where you're going to get cured by good people on the water side that your character is supposed to trust. And ultimately, it was one of those things where I couldn't reasonably say, oh, my character who's afraid of water and anything related to the plane of water is going to trust these people saying that they want to help her because she's pretty sure they're going to try and turn her into this scion of an elder water god.
0: Okay. So I mean again, I think I think a lot of that can be boiled down to poor communication. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, this isn't an, and anyone who listens to our show knows we talk about section session zero, ding ding ding, take a drink. Uh very, yeah. very, very often, because I think it is not a cure all, but it's a cure a lot. So, again, if if I'm if I'm, rocking this, correctly, you set up the game as a player with, uh, sort of, an arc for your character, back,
1: mm-hmm.
0: something that you feel is very integral to your character, yeah, and then your DM presented you in the campaign with a story arc, that, was, directly opposed, to what your character should. Do. Now, in a in a story, in a novel, this happens a lot. The, yes. the person who doesn't like water is forced to go into a water world and learn about themselves and other people and become a better person about it. But role-playing games are not stories. And if you don't have buy-in, it can be very difficult. And I, I would say that not that you don't trust your DM, but mm-hmm. but there has to be that level of trust where if I say create any character you want, I'll make it work. Okay, I created a character that refuses to go on a ship. Fine, session one, you're on a boat. Mm -hmm. There has to be understanding, like you have a plan for what's going on and I'm going to make this work until we get there so that it, it can be good for both of us. So where do you think the real breakdown was? Was it before the game ever started or was it when it started, things were going in a way that didn't seem to make sense and they didn't convince you that, hey, there's a plan here, stick with me.
1: So it did not help that one of our players ended up being the rogue who is very bad at stealing things and wants to steal everything, Mm -hmm. which goes against doing a more serious tone. And we didn't really have a session zero for it. My previous character, who I'd primarily played in our last campaign, started off as oh, I'm gonna make a uh, shield uh, bearer uh, half orc that's pretty much going to be Steve Rogers. And then he died in the first combat and was brought back as a zombie. <laughs> um,
0: I thought I read that comic book too Zombie Steve Rogers, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Which was like comedic and there's gags, and it was I'm playing a very dumb or over the top character. And I think switching to a more serious character without talking about it with the GM ahead of time caused some issues and then the rest of the party wasn't necessarily interested in that sort of tone of storytelling which session zero probably would have helped but then better knowing how to express what i was looking for in the game would have helped as well
0: you know, i don't want to minimize anything but there is so many issues that can be boiled down to communication. And expectation. And again, I'm I'm in my forties. I've been role playing a very long time. I have a lot of bad habits that I'm thankfully getting better at getting rid of. Pretty open minded person in anyways. Uh not everyone my age that has played as long as I have are. Uh but I started playing in that time where the DM was God and it was my world and my story, and you were just playing in it. And you know, if I decided that you were gonna go to the ninth level of hell didn't really matter what your character arc was, what you wanted to do, what you designed your characters. That's. And there are still a lot of DMs who do that. Some of them can do it very well, and it's very rewarding and very satisfying to play in those games. But I want I to make some generalizations, but I think most DMs don't do it as well as they think they do. Mm-hmm. And if they would be more willing to collaboratively come up, not only with characters, but, but the game itself. And sit down, everyone again, session zero, ding, ding, take a drink, everyone does it. Um, but talk about what kind of game do we want? Do we want to be the three stooges or do we want to be good fellows? Do we want to play slapstick? Is it C thirteen? Is it R? Is it violent, gritty Game of Thrones, or is it high fantasy, you know, every every city has their own wizard who can cast this, that, or the other? If everyone's on the same page. Even a bad game will be more fun than a good game if no one's on the same page. And you're playing again, Mo, Curly, and Larry, and someone else is trying to play Got Goodfellow, and someone else is trying to play some sort of sci-fi game. And again, I repeat again, again, session zero is so important because it gets people on the same page. But not everyone does such, does those. Not everyone understands how they work. So I think also that in game, in campaign, in between session check-ins are just as equally important where everyone says, hey, had a good time tonight, but not really sure how my character fits here. Can we talk about that? Do you have any processes, any plans, any strategies for someone who maybe with the best of intentions starts a game that seems to be going sideways pretty quickly?
1: Uh, Yeah, I've been blessed with some incredible players between Exiled and uh, RPG Pals Club. Jen, one of my uh, two players who's been on Exile since the start, they have been really good about like teaching me green card laws and where, or the X card laws where it's, oh, uh, if I feel uncomfortable about something, this should be an area where I can bring that up. And building a relationship where I can go to them for advice, they also come to me, And we want to actively make the best campaign that we can have. And so that's led to some changes in Exiled as a show where we've done arcs where it's literally, hey, we're gonna have our characters process some things. It's probably not going to have any roles. We're also gonna have characters who refuse to process things, but that's what their characters would do in that session. So we've had at least two arcs where it's just decompression. One where it's literally the characters going through a therapy session And getting interviewed on where they are, partially because we wanted to check in, partially because scheduling issues. Uh, If you're ever doing an actual play and you need to split the party, doing a one-on-one therapy episode is a good way to get an episode out for every character that you have.
0: That makes sense.
1: And then going into RPG Pals Club, I ended up running five or six test sessions using the uh total island D D uh package that they came out with and just dropping them on island and seeing how they'd worked together, how they would uh how long they would survive, and seeing who I thought would have good chemistry together. Okay. And like from each of those groups I took a few people for our five person party and at the end it was like, hey, I want to bring you in What are you looking to get out of the game? What are you able to bring in here? And then I worked with them to build sort of a tool chest that I could use of characters and background points and actual things. So it's not just, oh yeah, I used to be a mercenary or I was a soldier, but here's some people who I know, this is a big city, we might run into them. And then it was easy to take these characters and sort of tie them into other people's npcs and sort of build a big web of connections that lets them drive the show more so i just have to be like oh things are slow right now uh here's a soldier to fight i um
0: i guess a couple takeaways i have from that one is uh it's okay to try to salvage a game if if you as the dm have grand plans in your mind this is going to be an amazing game And two sessions in, you realize the players are not on the same page. The tone is wacky. I don't know that you have to blow it up completely and start over. I just think, again, that communication, it it comes down to having a conversation about what we want to keep, where do we want to go, how do we get back on track. Maybe it involves a couple one-shot games. It's a dream sequence, um, change of venue, like, hey, you're on a ship now. You're in another town uh, that you haven't, you know, off every Thieves Guild member, in uh, let's get back to being a little more serious, that kind of thing. Um, and the other thing is, this is something I say a lot players will tell you what they want to do because it's what they are doing when you don't interfere with them. If you just kind of sit back and let them direct the show, show you know, in this word game, podcast. But if they want to spend two hours in the shops buying stuff because they think going on a shopping spree fun and funny and interacting with NPCs and trying to haggle for good deals and stuff is interesting, let them. If, mm-hmm. if they want to go, okay, last night we all bought our stuff, tomorrow we're heading to the cave, then don't drag out the shopping scene because clearly that's not what they're interested in. Let them show you what they want to do and then it's, it makes your job so much easier as the DMs. Like, oh, you guys, girls, people want to go do this thing? All right, we're going to skip all this other stuff. We're going to go do that. There are exceptions. I'm trying to build tone, build a mystery, you Need them to go to the ball, which is intentionally an awkward situation because none of your characters are designed to be in high society, and that's the point. Sure. But for the most part, just sit back and listen more than talk. Is it money coming for me? up uh but your players will show you how to let them have a good time you just don't have to just don't get in the way and they'll have a good time almost no matter what you
1: oh definitely
0: do you have any uh any anecdotes of a time where you just let things go and they went wild or any times where maybe you did press too hard and shut things down that you can learn
1: uh So RPG Pals Club in particular is a lot more of a wild game because while we are using the Waterdeep Dragon High setting, it's a party that's not really interested in a lot of the overarching stuff that we have going on. It's like, oh yeah, we could, I guess, look for this treasure, but instead uh, one of our characters needs to get the Bard's license. The problem is a person who they're also trying to get a Bard's license with uh, has a friend who goes with them, And that friend who goes with him is an NPC who the person licensing the uh, bards hates. And so this animosity is going to prevent all three of them from getting their licenses. So it's, well, how are you going to try and resolve this problem now? And they've ended up challenging the licensor to a battle of the bands, which meant they also needed to find a venue for it and uh organize everything else that they needed and that was what they wanted to do and it's like yeah all right let's go and do this so they ended up having to go and reach out to one of the character's siblings who is a goblin stand-up comedian who we ended up bringing in as a guest they needed to book a three-night tour for them and it it goes weird and fantastic places
0: that sounds like a lot of fun that sounds like a game I would enjoy playing. It sounds like a game I'd be enjoying listening to. So that's RPG Pals. That's a podcast that you're working on?
1: Uh, RPG Pals Club. It's at rpgpals.club.
0: Gotcha. And those are, episodes are currently coming out or is this coming soon?
1: Oh, no. Uh, episodes are currently coming out on the 1st and the 15th of each month.
0: Well, and that's loosely 5e. Sounds like we're not following the rules closely, which is me
1: we're adapting as needed it's mostly 5e rules but we're using a pre-made campaign as a loose setting
0: okay again yeah. fine by me uh, Yeah. so boil all that down communicate 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 it's all about trust it's all about understanding each other uh if you're sitting down to play a game no matter really no matter what game it is i guess unless it's monopoly in your a hole you probably have the best of intentions that you want other people at the table to have fun, whether you're the GM or you're a player. I'm going to assume that most people are there to make sure they and everyone else has fun. So if you assume that people have good intentions, you can work through any hiccups, where if someone is playing a character in a way that makes the, gun, the game less fun for you, don't just assume they're being a jerk. Maybe the assumption is they don't understand what they're doing is causing the game or they have a plan in mind where their character being a jerk now pays off later. So have those conversations, ask them questions, which again, I'm a big believer that players should not have secrets from each other, characters can. That's part of that reason, I'm not gonna get into it now, but if my character has some back secret why I'm acting like a spoiled brat and eventually I want that to come out and that everyone will understand and we'll get along, as a player, I'm going to tell you, hey, Luke, I'm playing my character as a spoiled brat. Here's why. Uh, your character doesn't know this, but I want Luke to so that Luke understands, okay, I'm going to put up with Michael's crappy behavior because I know there's an end in sight. There's We're building towards something. It'll be fun for both of us when we get there. But if I keep that a secret, you don't know, then you might just think I'm being a jerk, and then we stop playing. Around. So mm-hmm. communicate with your players. Communicate with each other. Communicate with your D. De- and if you, again, I'll promise this will be the last thing. If you like how the game is going, it's just as important to tell people that. Like, hey, that was a great session. I had a lot of fun tonight when we A, B, and C'd. As it is to say, tonight wasn't the best session. I really didn't care for when we X, Y, and z Your DM was listening. They were going to make adjustments. They want you to have a good time. So communicate what goes well. And communicate on what could go better. And over time, you're gonna turn your t- your group into like a well-oiled machine that everyone comes to the table, ready to play in character, you know, right on theme, right on tone. And it's it's the most fun you can have with your clothes on. I really believe that. I think RPGs are amazing.
1: I, one of the things I love about running RPG Pals Club is at the end of these like four hour sessions that we'll do and recording for four hours is different than playing for four hours is we come away feeling energized and excited. And it's like, yeah, if we didn't have real life stuff to do, we would keep on playing here.
0: Yeah, that's that's wonderful. I love that when you, when the game ends and you're like, man, I wish we had another hour rather than, well, all right, well, I guess we'll, um, mm-hmm. so, all right. I mean, again, that goes back to our philosophy. You know you're doing it right if you're having a good time. All right. So with that, we're going to go ahead and move on to everyone's favorite part of the show. I say sarcastically. And this is Where Have My Fingers Been? This is our sep- second improv game of the night. And sadly, I don't think anyone's watching because the is dead. But uh, usually this is the part where most people make fun of us. So the idea here is that we are going to prompt each other once again to create a short scene involving two or more characters that we will pantomime with our fingers for those watching. Uh, And we're going to have a little conversation where it's like, uh, hey, where you been? I don't know. Where am I? And we try to complete the scene with a beginning, middle and end, which I'm terrible at. But uh, it's a lot of fun to fail spectacularly. So, Luke, once again, you are my guest. Would you like to go first or would you like to give a prompt to me?
1: Well, I have a question for you. Yeah. Where have my fingers been? I said, where have my fingers been? Your fingers. Where have my fingers been? Uh, Where have my fingers been?
0: Your fingers have been in line to the BBL, which is the Bureau of Bard Licensing, trying to get your license. But there's a huge line and it's taken forever.
1: Oh, my God. I, I, I just want to play the drums and not get arrested. Oh, I know. The harp. I, I carry the harp everywhere. City guards come after me and it is just awful. Well, have you tried running with a flute in your pocket? Wait, what's so heavy about a flute? Uh, well, it's 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 twenty feet long. Isn't that just like a didgeridoo or something? Oh, maybe, but I mean, it started off as a flute. Well, what what happened to it? The bars license guild. Oh yeah, yeah. Happened to my cousin. He had a tuba. Ended up getting shrunk down to a pixie size. <coughs> yeah, they're they're really strict about their licensing here. And see.
0: And that's where your fingers have been. Yay! Yes. That was fantastic. I'm sad that not enough people got to see. That was great, and mine is gonna pale in comparison. But uh Luke, where have my fingers been?
1: I said, where have my fingers been? Uh your fingers have been getting lunch during a catacomb. No. Nope.
0: Michael said that these pretzels are bad. Yeah, no, he like he's I don't know, arrogant douche, wouldn't you say? No, they really are sucky. Yeah, still a douche though. And that's where my fingers have been. <laughs> hey, the <laughs> so New York Taters said he caught the end <laughs> of the show, which I guess is great. Uh, so the last thing we do before we get to Q and A, which again we don't have anybody listening, so who knows, uh, is what we call cryptozoology, and this. We talk about a monster, generally is for d and does not have to be, where we talk about uh, a little bit of the, the history of the monster, ways that we have used it in the past, if we have, and we maybe brainstorm some ways that we can use it. In Luke, you are my guest. Do you have a creature monster nemesis you would like to talk about tonight?
1: Ah, uh, yes. I'm here to talk about the spring Jack. I have no idea what that is. So what is the spring Jack? So the Springheeled Jack started off as a sort of like penny-farthing type character that appeared in British uh, magazines in like the early, or well, in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And it was basically a guy who could jump really high, dressed like a fancy dandy, and he'd be looking into some British person's house, they'd scream, and then he'd just bounce off away. And he ended up becoming a folk hero in some comics, and he's made weird appearances in various places. The weirdest, though, is in New Mexico in the early 1900s, where a guy apparently dressed as a British person who could jump really high showed up in the middle of the desert, New Mexico, also with the ability to breathe fire. and it's one of those weird mythological characters who i came across or folklore characters that i came across when trying to um come up with ideas for a monster of the week game because it's a weird thing nobody expects it but then most people have heard of the spring jack it's in some of the uh dnd books like it's late fifth monster manual or what have you, when they just go for the really weird stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can say I don't recall ever having come across that. Maybe it's just, I don't remember it. Cause it, a, uh, you know, have an impression on me. Uh, but so I guess my question is, how did you use this as a villain NPCs nemesis for your players? Um, when you have basically a British dandy who can hop around, <laughs>
1: uh so in the monster of the week game that i set up it's this town that has been industrialized all of a sudden by a company moving in and being like oh hey we want to bring like actual people to this small town in the middle of nowhere and so on a level he's a sign of this growing change in industrialization but on the other side one of his attacks because he needs food out in the desert and he eats a lot because bouncing and fireballs takes a lot of damage, he ends up burning down a house in the neighborhood of the characters, which gets him to initially investigate this weird situation. And leading into it, it sends him across the desert, trying to find wherever he is staying. And it's an active threat because of the fire and stealing of animals. And it's a, they aren't sure what they're dealing with for the most part. But once they get it, it's oh well. What is this thing? Uh, what is it tied to? Is a part of some other bigger movement that is happening in the world?
0: Okay. So, the sort of the thing that came to me again, not being familiar with this or this figure at all. I I like to try to come up with ways that monsters aren't things that poke with a stick until it dies and you win. Um, I I see this as maybe some person. Um, maybe got a hold of like a cursed magical object, or they got a wish, and it was one of those wishes that twisted dev- devilishly against them. So basically, they're not really in control of what they're doing. uh You know, very classic. Maybe there's a suitor, a young man is hammered with a young woman, trying to impress her. And he wishes to be able to make an impression, and next thing you know, he can jump really high and. Fire out of his mouth, that's probably not going to be the impression they thought they were going to make, but it certainly would make an impression. Uh, so maybe the house that got burnt down seems to be of a complete random person, but that it's this you know, farmer's daughter or this baker's son or whatever, it's some sort of young person who, quote unquote, in love or being you know, courted by someone else. Um, and I like that because then the PC's their interaction is to uh, try to figure out what happened. Sort of solve the mystery, but then it's not about killing this person, it's about helping them either come to terms with their abilities or get them reversed, cured, uh, taken off, that sort of thing. Uh, side tangent, also makes me think of Gummy Berries and the uh, Gummy Bears, the old Disney cartoon from like the 80s mm-hmm. where they would bounce around. And I think, wasn't there an episode where them through fireballs? Is, am I Am I wrong about that?
1: I have no experience with that. Oh, it's
0: uh, it's awesome. It's a great theme song. But yeah, it, go, go look it, up the gummy berry juice.
1: It's coming back on uh Disney Plus. Ooh,
0: I'm signed up for that for the Mandalorian. So I will have to check that out. But I but basically they drink this gummy berry juice and let them bounce around like crazy people, and that's how they get around. But there was like this really weird deep mythology with that cartoon, at least I kind of remember as a kid thinking it was. So the, maybe it's just a natural like herb that someone comes along, they make a a potion out of, you know, this weird buried that started growing and now they're jumping around like crazy and it's just you know how do we deal with this wacky situation
1: they actually brought the gummy bears back in the uh, recent DuckTales cartoon
0: Oh, I did not watch that I heard it's
1: really good though It it's not my favorite like Disney cartoon of the past few years because Gravity Falls was out but for what it is it's good and it's been slowly building this like connected Disney afternoon cartoon universe up and the voice cast is great
0: all right yeah, definitely again i'm interested i just very busy i got a lot of things going on uh, as I, I spoke to tom recently i've been watching the great british bake-off yeah making show i guess what's called i i heard so many people tell me it's a great show so many people say you should watch it finally broke down and i've binged everything on netflix so i went through season one now i'm on season seven which is the newest one but there's actually Prequel seasons because it was on before Netflix picked it up. So I'm kind of confused on where I'm at chronologically, but I'm mm-hmm. caught up on the current show. I have not seen the final yet, which I think aired, but it hasn't came out on Netflix.
1: Yeah, it started with, I think, the fourth or the fifth season that they had been showing in the BBC when PBS started bringing the licensing rights over and Netflix got in on that. And so they've been rolling out the uh, season since then, but it was something like the fourth and then the fifth and then like the third and and they changed. No hosts.
0: Um, mm-hmm. I, and it said Is I know the names of the two quote unquote new ones, which are Andy and Noel. Noel yeah. But I really miss the two ladies that were in the first season. I like them better. I'm sorry. Sandy and Noel.
1: Oh yeah. No, I mean, I'm a big Noel feed, Noel fielding fan from uh, the mighty Boosh. In some of his other appearances that he's made. But apparently uh the two other hosts are doing a spy comedy movie.
0: Oh wow. I okay, I'm in. I, I yeah. thought they were hilarious. I love their little shtick that they did on that uh show. So I kind of missed them when they went away. Random, sorry. Okay, oh. so back to you. So any way you can think you could use Spring Heel Jack or similar in a future campaign. You've already used them one way. Think of another way that you might be able to use them that would be interesting for your players to interact.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, like you'd said, the uh, red heel or the sort of uh, red shoes type approach where it's a cursed object would be really good. Like you could introduce it as something where your players are getting a bonus to acrobatics checks or something in a D&D campaign. And that power is increasing. But as it is increasing, it becomes something where the successes that they have can become too excessive so if they jump or if they roll too well they actually for example lose control over the jumps that they're trying to get so it's oh i don't want to roll like 15 or higher i'm trying to aim as low as i can so that sort of changes their mechanics it sets them off and it's something where if it is going to be a cursed object they have to find a way to break the curse or find out where it came from and use that information to uh deactivate it
0: yeah i do like that actually the idea that you like a strength out of control where now if they roll higher than a, they want, they want like a range, like they want a 12 to pass, but they don't want higher than a 16. Cause then they jump too far and they take negatives. They could get hurt. They could land in a tree, you know, com- comedic or serious consequence as required. Um, reminds me of uh, satanic panic, which is the game. that still hasn't come out yet, Jim, what the hell? Uh, but uh, it's got an interesting mechanic where they have um, lateral damage. So, when you're doing things, if you roll too well, you actually cause more damage. And that's, that's a negative in the game, which is a fun mechanic. Um, I, ha- I like the idea, too, where, and I have no idea how you would set the scene up. It'd have to be very contrived and maybe not, not work. But I like the idea that the players have been able to remove the cursed objects, whether it's shoes or whatever the case may be. But then they're put in a situation where they have to redon them, to save them. So like the only way to get out of death trap is they have to jump to a ledge, twenty feet up. So they have to recurse themselves to survive, and then, and then start all over again. Like, guess we got to go undo this curse again. Because if you don't put them on, then you're all gonna die in this
1: room. Or you could build a campaign around these cursed objects, where it's like if you're going to try and get rid of them, you might think you've destroyed them, but you haven't actually destroyed them, and so if one of your players has like been holding onto the objects as they're around, it's like, Oh, well uh, now that there's some bad guy, with like six different murder items on him. uh, I guess we'll have to use what we have left over. I'm sorry that I lied about destroying this, but Hey, aren't you glad that we still have it right now?
0: (laughs) It actually could be really, could be funny, but also somewhat poignant if it's almost like a cursed object off, like (laughs) they're fighting something that's really bad But they can equal its power, but they have to get the sword of sympathy and the red shoes and the hat of intellect devouring. So they'll have like three rounds of massive power. But if they don't win the fight, that's when the negatives start kicking in. And then it's gonna get progressively harder. And maybe they have to like someone else has to come and take on that curse to to fight the next three rounds. That could be a very kind of a cool like B B E G final battle the only way we can survive is we essentially waste away by allowing ourselves to be cursed by this like you know knife of wound stealing or whatever every time i hit you i take the same damage but it's a plus five weapon it's the only thing that can hit this thing uh so i'll hit three swings and i'll probably be dead so then you got to do it that would be cool i like that i like that a lot actually first item off (laughs) Awesome. All right. I like that Spring Hill Jack. That's a new one on me, but I can see that being used. Uh, interesting. That's what I'm always looking for. Mm-hmm. So then we'll move into the last section. This is audience q and I think New York Tater is the only one who's been sticking around. I don't know if he is still here, but we have one question that we always ask new guests. And so I'll start with that. I'll see if, if New York Tater or anyone else is here. So Luke, you are turned into an action field. Not like a curse, but just like they make an action figure of you. What three accessories are included in your action figure package?
1: Ooh, uh, probably the laptop, because I'm always traveling with a laptop, usually a MacBook, either work or business related uh, I probably also got a tablet because I do a lot of comics reading on the uh, way and then I'll also store like RPG books on that so I can have that as uh, quick access. The third one is going to be the difficult one, but I have a uh, custom messenger bag that I have made with, uh, it was from a company that shut down last year called Seagull Bags based out of Columbus, Ohio. It was a custom made and custom embroidered bag and the scene on it is a bunch of pine trees and then massive bright pink squids stuck in the trees. Okay.
0: Interesting. Uh, so New York Tater is here, and he asks if you will be at a catacomb. Clearly that part of the show was garbled, but yes, Luke will be at a catacomb. He's running multiple sessions of Marble Face Rip, an Infinity War saga-ish game, and then Endgame. Is that the other one? Is that like a two-parter? Uh
1: Yep. Uh, that is going to be event 89 if you're on tabletop events. That one still has three tickets available for it. The Infinity War one is uh, all booked up, but if you stop by, I'm making a lot of characters for it. Uh, Like I said at the start of the game, uh, I have 64 characters statted out that I'm planning on bringing. So if your favorite Marvel character isn't in that list, Get some more mainstream taste. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh,
0: Also, and again, this is our first year using tabletop events. I'm not the most um, educated with it, but there is like a waiting list. So if you really want in the first game, you can get put on the quote unquote waiting list. And if someone else changes their ticket because there's a different um, game that they decide to get into or maybe they can't make it. So they cancel. There is a way to get on a waiting list. Uh, Mm -hmm. So rhythm bastard i guess that's
1: uh, oh yeah yeah
0: yeah uh once though was there anything the players had ever misinterpreted misinterpreted and then you ran with it later in a campaign
1: uh yeah that is eric who's one of the players on rpg pals club Hi, eric. he plays uh he plays a punk drunk map uh, a punk monk drow <laughs> and uh Ooh I can't spoil that because the revelations about the mysterious box of mystery haven't come out into the public feed yet. Uh, A Mysterious,
0: yes, might be appropriate here.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Like, it's one of those things where you give your players a magical object and they try using it once. And it's like, oh, this seems very basic. I'm not going to roll any insight checks or anything on this. I'm just going to take it at face value for what it is. And now it's boring. Let's put it away forever. It's like, oh, okay. Uh, let's, let's go forward with that. They eventually come back to it. But. Um, one of the, actually, the first actual campaign,
0: actual play that we ever did at the show here was called Made Men. And a big portion of that game revolved around a crystal key which uh, I've used in many games. I love, I have. I actually have a little prop I made, which now I can't find, but there was a time it was a physical object that I had that I, I really loved. And it was a big part of that first campaign. That first campaign was well loved. is is one of the things that helped our show get some traction because people really enjoyed it. Uh, episodes still available. But we ran a different campaign recently called Dark Discovery. And I put that in there just as like an Easter egg joke. It was supposed to be, like a two sentence, like, huh, ah, that's kind of funny. My characters latched onto it. Like it was the most important thing in the world. And I had to keep trying to find a way to, because it was supposed to just go away. I didn't have a plan for it. And mm-hmm. then I had to keep, it, they made it so important. I had to make it important. I didn't know how to make it important because it wasn't supposed to be important. Uh, <laughs> so yes, so players often will latch onto things, either misinterpreted or misunderstood. And it becomes the center of, of a story or an arc or a campaign, despite our best efforts.
1: In one of the uh, Exile 12 one shots that I have, uh, the characters enter into a long hallway, and I mentioned that there are some portraits on the walls, and I'm expecting them to look at them and like investigate the art and like discern oh, maybe these are who they're going to go up against if they can find some clues and things. They just repeatedly searched the door to see, or they repeatedly searched the portraits to see if they're swinging doors, even though there has been no hint that yeah. it's swinging doors. So and did,
0: did you make one a swinging door? Just
1: no, because they also failed their insight checks to uh, find anything useful. Nice,
0: so they were infatuated but uh failures at, at searching at the same time, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh so Luke says, if I can get another question. Uh or sorry, Eric. Um, what was the last piece of media that you were con- that you consumed that you were like, I gotta put this in again?
1: Uh well, do you have an answer for this one?
0: Oh well, I'm constantly stealing from movies, TV shows, books just everywhere. Um I think like what was the most recent Oh well, <laughs> this is somewhat related. Uh, that game that we played last night, that Faye game, we played. We started as supervillains, mm-hmm. um, and I let the players create their own nemesis. And uh, one of the players created Captain Hammer, which in this version was basically Thor and Captain America rolled into one. Um, and I had her show up out of a box, like a like a energy cube he was basically involved in the time Wars. it was a very heavy play off of infinity war slash Endgame. no spoilers mm-hmm. there uh but basically yeah i pretty much just sort of used the infinity war end game um plot to just as a springboard into this game because in this there were time wars it wasn't just you know a little bit of time travel in spoilers um but so she came out of this time war and was told that she was in 20, 20, 000, or 2009. She mm-hmm. wasn't. She was in 2019. But for some yeah. reason, my characters, because they don't like her, she's their nemesis, uh, just lied to her and said it was 20, 2009. But well, she needed to get to 2015, so she thought she had to go six years more into the future to get where she needed to be but she actually needed to go four years in the past. So she went to the wrong place, which caused her to lose the time wars. And then that caused them to have to go back in and solve it themselves because they just screwed with her for no reason. It was so dumb, but yet so fun.
1: That is excellent. (laughs) What
0: was the uh, question again? So what sort of uh, recent media have you uh, consumed that you're like, oh, I got to put this in a game somehow?
1: Oh, that is a rough uh, question to think of. I mean, I saw The Lighthouse uh, last week. in which I want to see that. It's weird and not what I expected in any way. I might try and inject some of that weirdness uh, into things, um, but yeah, beyond that, I, I haven't necessarily seen anything that uh, full on inspired me. There's been a lot of older media things that I've adapted in for the uh, 12 one shots. There's one that's essentially a national treasure type adventure, and a few other weird cases like that where it I basically wrote, like, oh, here's a paragraph of what I think could happen. And then most of the time, I just threw that entire thing out because that was not where the adventure was going. But uh, yeah, a lot of just, oh, let's crib on this movie real quick.
0: Again, I think it's, I think most DMs do it. I mean, I know I do. Maybe that's why I think that. But uh, it's it's also hard not to. Hard not to watch a movie, TV show that you like. And then not get inspired in some way, whether it's a turn of phrase, a scene, uh, an interaction, a dramatic turn, or just overall plot. You know, the whole whole shebang to not try to turn that into a game in some way or another. I think the secret of doing it well is to mask it enough that it's not obvious, even if people are also familiar, that they don't recognize like, oh, we're just playing through book one of Game of Thrones. But instead it's like, oh, we're in this really political ch- politically charged game. This is interesting. Let's see what we can do here. And not realize that it's basically one of Game of Thrones.
1: Or if you're going to do something that is a direct uh homage, don't be afraid to let the people take it in a entirely different direction. Yeah. yeah. Or specifically go in with that entirely different direction. There's a arc of exod where it's oh, the characters are getting stuck into the Watchmen universe uh, the night that a comedian gets murdered. And they prevent it. Well, what happens next?
0: Right. And
1: that was that was a weird one. I don't know. We'll find
0: out together. Excellent. So thank you, New York Tater. Thank you, Rhythm Bastard. Um, is Eric going to be at a catacomb with us?
1: No, he is down in Florida.
0: Woohoo, So sad. Um, but thank you for those of you who tried to stay with us. It looks like we're actually in the green now. Uh, so if anyone happened to jump on late, you have no idea what's going on. Uh But thank you for trying. Uh And there's, this should be an audio only form and it should page. Um, as soon as I get around to it, uh, I'll have to piece it together because I think this fell apart three times. Um But Luke, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for supporting the Catacon, uh, both as part of the Kickstarter and then coming as to run some games for people really appreciate it
1: oh yeah no i love going to a catacomb it's a chill show to even come down to for just one day i live in columbus so it's about an hour and a half away and it's nice to just get up at like eight in the morning drive down grab some breakfast and then start running games uh once again i'm going to be running two sessions at 1 p.m and 5 p.m the marvel infinity war and marvel in game uh, event numbers 90 and 89. At uh, table C6, stop on by if you're <laughs> hearing this. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited. Bunch of characters, bunch of stuff that I don't have any idea of how it's <laughs> going to go. Uh, I'm essentially making a module that players will be able to use at least for the Infinity War one, where it's randomly generated Infinity War. Oh.
0: like um, I look forward <laughs> to hearing after the fact how it went.
1: Yes. Well, and hey, we'll probably run into each other sometime at the con.
0: I'll be the guy in the terribly bright, ugly shirt at the registration desk all the time.
1: Oh, well, <laughs> I will see you there on Fantastic. Saturday morning. Uh, and then can I promote the shows that I do?
0: Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Go ahead.
1: Uh, all right. So I am currently doing three podcasts. Uh, the one of them that I haven't mentioned yet is Multiversal Q, currently being published as Ultiversal Q. It is a comic recap podcast. Uh, Up until this year, we've covered uh, generic alternate universe comics. Currently, we are going through all of the Ultimate Universe as part of a about three year project to go through all of the Ultimate Universe, which if you've got familiarity, uh, we are not yet to Ultimatum where things start to get really bad for a while.
0: Like Uh, bad for the characters or just bad
1: as in? both Both. Okay. uh Fair. that's that mm. ultimatum is where you frequently see people populating their worst comic moments of all time from mm. lots of people eating people eating people oh okay yeah yeah it gets bad uh and that is at Multiverso q or ultiversoq.com that is alternate that is updating on alternating weeks Uh, And then the two actual play podcasts that I do, there's Exod Podcast, which has been a weekly podcast that is ending in November. We're still going to have three more slash two more episodes in December to wrap everything up for now. And then we're just going to be more intermittent and Patreon sponsored. You can find that at exodpodcast.com. There's a few different spots that are set up that you can jump in, including a new one that's going to be set up for the 12 one-shots if you just want to pick up one of those and listen to weird superhero shenanigans. We also got custom covers drawn for each of those by Aster D'Amico. And then the other podcast, oh, and that is at exodpodcast.com. The other podcast that I do is the fifth edition Waterdeep Dragon Heist uh, campaign podcast. Uh, That is at RPG Pal's Club. And that updates on the 1st and the 15th of each month. Uh we've got something like 20 episodes that have been published currently. We've got a good buffer, so you don't need to worry about things slowing down. And yeah, it is a chill podcast because they have proven to be unsurpr they have proven to be surprisingly adept at killing things that I throw in their way, <laughs> which is a good way to get them back to opening up a dog cafe and entering a battle of the bands.
0: Yeah, again, why why wouldn't you want to do?
1: And you can find that at RPGPals.club, and I am on Twitter at, at @coltreg. That's K O L T R E G. And when I'm not doing podcasting, I also write comics, but that's for other shows.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. Once again, Luke, thank you so much for joining me. Again, I'll see you at a Catacon. As for myself, uh, Michael at the RPG Academy. Everything I do can be found somewhere. If you search for the RPG Academy, and you find something, probably me. And if you want to uh, write in, our email address is therpgacademy at gmail.com. Shocking. Uh, and we'd love to hear from you comments on this episode, whether it be YouTube or the podcast, or just hit us up on Twitter and Facebook, uh, and let us know what you liked. Once again, sorry the stream did not work. Uh, I knew it was a gamble. Again, my internet is just, my provider is bad. I don't know if we're going to fix it. We do have contingency plans for having a third person host the calls and actually do the streaming from their location but they were not available tonight. So I tried it uh, probably will limit the amount of time we can do detentions in the future, but in the future, if we do them, we're going to have a third person hosting that we don't have. this. So anyways, with that, we're going to do our awkward wave out and say goodbye. And remember you're having fun doing it right. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby